This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to the program. Glad to have you aboard today. Just getting a few things here before hitting the airwaves. Coming up in a couple of moments with Elliot Friedman, we'll talk about the future of the Arizona Coyotes. This is a recording. And I always come shy of saying we may have some intriguing news and an intriguing situation considering we've said this going all the way back to, oh, I don't know. Anybody remember the name Judge Redfield T-Bomb? Yes, I know. But uh, it sounds like there's something interesting happening right now with the Arizona Coyotes. We'll go over that with Elliot coming up in a couple of moments. And also, we're going to talk to Elliot about an interesting an interesting release that the NHL has just put out as well. It is a statistical update. It's from NHL Public Relations. I'll read it to you. As part of the ongoing effort to provide the most accurate statistical accounting possible of NHL games... The league has performed a comprehensive audit of the hit statistics in every game this season and made appropriate adjustments. The newly updated season totals are reflected on NHL.com in the the league's statistical releases as of today. And right away, the default, I think, for a lot of people is, hold on a second, gambling. Hold on a second, what about bets that have been squandered already or my fantasy team that has been squandered because of inaccurate information as it relates to hits. But there's an even bigger story here, and we're going to get into that with Elliot coming up in a couple of moments. Also coming up today, it is Wednesdays. That means MVSW Redux. So Greg Wyshynski kicks off Hour 2. Rob Rossi will talk to us about the Pittsburgh Penguins. By the way, Brendan Dillon with a uh, Department of Player Safety hearing for his hit yesterday on Noel Achari. Never good when you hit someone and their helmet pops up straight in the air almost cartoon fashion. You knew right away that Achari was in distress and in trouble uh, when he got that hit, and the helmet went straight in the air. Not a good visual. So uh, there's your program today. And, you know, one of the headline stories of the day, certainly the Edmonton Oilers' 16-game winning streak has come to an end. There will be no game 17, or, or win number 17, rather, against the Anaheim Ducks, the Vegas Golden Knights, shutting down, well, I should really say Aiden Hill, who did a tremendous job yesterday for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, shutting down the Edmonton Oilers. They win 3-1, to one. and through all of it, I think we all have uh, a newfound respect. Certainly, we do have a couple of different observations about what this 16-game winning streak Edmonton Oilers are now all about and what this means for the immediate and long-term future of the Edmonton Oilers. I think one of the main takeaways, I think, that we could all sort of share here, one, the Oilers are back. Uh, I don't think the Oilers are going to threaten for first place in the Pacific Bowl. Probably face off against the Vegas Golden Knights in the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, oh, isn't that juicy? That sounds really good. And the other thing I think we can take away from the Edmonton Oilers streak is this is a team now that can defend. And we haven't always said that about the Edmonton Oilers. What have we said about the Edmonton Oilers? Well, Jeff, traditionally we've said about the Edmonton Oilers, when they have problems, they don't have problems because they can score their way out of problems. And it doesn't seem as if that's the way this Oilers team wants to play. This Oilers team is now much more committed to playing a Stanley Cup-type game. And I think we saw that over this streak. I didn't even think they played poorly last night. Like, I don't think this was a game where, okay, they're coming off the All-Star break and, ooh, there's some rust there. Now, we can't say that about all teams. Boston Bruins, I'm looking your direction. Good on the Calgary Flames, but man, did the Bruins lay an egg in that one. And I would hate to be the Vancouver Canucks. Who the Bruins face next? But I digress.
Um, that was an Oilers team that gave a real good, honest effort and a really good shot at winning game number 17. It just wasn't going to happen for them. A suffocatingly good game by the Vegas Golden Knights, specifically in the third period. And I don't know about you, but it very much looked like that third period was playoff Vegas versus playoff Edmonton. Like, we went into last night's round of games and said, all right, this is the game of the night. All eyes are going to be on this one for the streak. All eyes are going to be on this one because it's a probable first-round playoff matchup and message sending, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just flat out going to be two excellent teams going head-to-head. And it delivered. It was a really good game. And the third period, something looked and felt different about all of it. It sounded and felt very much like these two teams were locked into playoff mode. And if you're like me, you said to yourself, give me seven games of that. In the meantime, uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Net in Canada joins me. Hello, Elliot. Hey, bud. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. We have a lot to get to today. And what was going to Before be the headline we do story, that, the Oilers and their streak. Yes. Before we do that, I wanted to yes. tell you, while I stepped out of the house Uh-oh. to go on to my walk, uh, Serve It Up staff is working on some uh, vegetarian taquitos. They, they're, they're fantastic. Oh, no way. Oh, fantastic. Right up well, your I'm alley. A big fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of that right up my alley. I don't know the next time I'm going to see you in person. Otherwise, I'd ask you to save me a couple. But uh, <laughs> if you want to send any up the 404 up to your buddy in Stouffville here, I'm only too happy to oblige and consume all of them. Uh, they, they are, there, there's upstairs. extra delivery charges out there. You're outside my circle. <laughs> I know your circle. If you if you like if you like go uh, go go north of Markham, you get a rash. I don't even think you like yeah. getting up into Markham that much for that for that matter. Um, okay, so a few things. So I was all poised to talk to you about the Oilers and Kuzmenko's <clears throat> debut uh, with the Flames and and uh, and, and also uh, Lindholm's debut, two goals uh, for the Vancouver Canucks last night. But then a couple of things happened: one, Arizona, and two, an interesting NHL release. And I want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Now I warned yep. everybody off the top of the show before he came on i know i've said this a long time so insert this is a recording it yeah. looks like there are some interesting developments with the arizona coyotes comma again elliot what's yeah. the latest with the yotes okay so there's a meeting tomorrow between uh it's the arizona land bureau whatever it is and they're the ones who are in charge of uh allowing auctions and if people have been familiar yes. with this Arizona situation, um, that one of the things that the Coyotes have discussed, and they claim they're looking at multiple things, is the idea of buying a piece of land that would be up for auction. And what you have to do is there's a process. You have to apply to this Arizona Land Development Board and to say that you're interested in the auction and they can put it up there. Now, their meeting is tomorrow. The agenda is online. It has to be finalized 24 hours in advance. I called the clerk uh, this morning. This is a memory of my old like city council days, Jeff. I called the clerk this morning. She told me that, um, yes. that whatever's online is the final agenda. There's nothing on there that screams coyotes on it. Um, now, I've done enough of this stuff to know that if they wanted to do this in camera, away from prying eyes, they could. But, you know, like, put it this way. It doesn't sound promising. Now, I've learned over the years 
not to jump to conclusions with the Coyotes yeah. because you know yeah. deadlines become uh, deadlines become uh, movable. But if indeed Speed there is bumps. going to be an yes, if indeed there's going to be an announcement this weekend or sometime in the very near future, it doesn't seem to be good for the current ownership group. Now I'll say this: I think that. We are coming to the end of the line for this ownership group. I believe if there isn't something hard and fast in place in the very near future, they will begin the process of either selling the team or potentially, as you've discussed before, Jeff, the NHL taking over the team and selling it to someone else. I believe we'll get there. I believe one of the reasons you hear uh, the commissioner saying nothing negative about them is he knows this could end up in a big legal fight and he doesn't want to say or do anything that will end up being used against him. But it, 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 like if this doesn't get, because basically if, if the auction was, the idea for an auction was approved tomorrow, it would take from what I understand at least 10 weeks before they could do it. If it gets punted to another meeting next month, that pushes it back another month. So, like, and again, there's no guarantee they'd win the auction. So, um, it's just yeah. it doesn't look great right now for this current ownership group. Is what I would say. It 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 feels very much. And again, we'll we'll use Gary Bettman's com, uh, comments last Friday at the uh, All Star Weekend about it. About in a paraphrase here, reasonably confident that Alex Morgan will follow through. Uh, with what he's with what he's promised or, or what he's talking about, it it doesn't sound like the NHL has much appetite to wait that period for an auction. They want it sounds very much like they want something yes or no ASAP. Well, the one thing I think, Jeff, is if they knew there was a date for an auction, say because someone said to me they think an auction could happen as soon as April. I had someone else that said July. Like the thing is, if they, if it if it was in April. I think they would wait because then in April, you know, if he wins the land, right. But if, you know, if we're talking July or anything later, I don't know. I I just don't see them going in at, to the end, to into next season without a specific plan of of where we are and where we're going. So, and the other thing too is Jeff, like that, that's the thing, like, you know, like Marty Walsh comes out spitting fire and brimstone, and that's what he's supposed to do. He stands up for the players. And Batman's more reserved. That's because Batman knows if he says or does anything that, uh, you know, isn't squeaky clean here, it's going to end up being used yeah. against them. And I, and I understand that. Okay, so the only thing that I can use here by way of timeline is... You know, the most recent situation where one team has ended up in another market, and that is Atlanta to Winnipeg. And yeah. again, e- even that even that was hurry-up offense for the Winnipeg Jets. Like, that was okay. Uh, as much as they were already planning on, you know, there was a time where we thought the Arizona Coyotes were going back. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 this was still very much, we got to get going, we got to get going, we got to get going here. The Thrashers were sold to True North Sports and Entertainment May 2011. Do yep. we use that? Right at the end of May. It was, right as the, here. it was right at the right. start of the Stanley Cup yes. final. 
Exactly. So do we use that as a sort of loose, I don't want to say drop dead because I'm with you, like like stop signs have just been speed bumps for so long in this situation. Um, but is that what we sort of use as a sort of loose, uh, we need to know by this time what the decision on Arizona is based on, you know, the most recent franchise to move and that is the Thrashers. Well, even though that that wasn't announced until the end of May, as you mentioned, they had been working on that. Uh, for months. Um, like Mark Chipman, he's always very guarded about what he says out of respect to the NHL, but he has, you know, he has talked before about how, like, they basically knew for months they better be ready for this. Probably about four or five months. Um, I mean, they were ready for a long time, but for about four or five months before it happened, they got the green light, like, you really better be ready. And um, so, like, look, like, we're here, and you know, Jeff, as we've reported before, they talked at one of the recent Board of Governors meetings about All-Star Game was the deadline. Well, that was last weekend. So, yeah. I, you know, maybe there's no formal announcement until then about where a team is going or who's buying it. But I, I think we're at the point now. Okay, uh, we'll see where this one heads, but that is a uh, that is an interesting development here with the with the Arizona Coyotes and the potential for a, a new parcel of land. Okay, um, NHL statistical out, uh, update. So at eleven twenty Eastern, the yeah. NHL put this out as part of the ongoing effort to provide the most accurate statistical accounting possible of NHL games. The league has performed a comprehensive audit of the hit statistic in every game this season and made appropriate adjustments. The newly updated season totals are reflected on NHL.com and in the league's statistical releases as of today. My first thought when I saw this was, uh-oh, what about gambling? And what about bets that have been lost? And what about, you know, fantasy teams or, or whatever that have, you know, that, that use hits as, as one of their statistics? Um, but you see there's an even bigger story than just that. What's happening with this one? Well, it, like, basically, from what I understand, the league told teams that they are going to be adding hits. Uh, I don't think this is a gambling-related issue. Based on that, it strikes me as it's a salary arbitration issue. Now, look, if you gamble on hits, you know, I, first of all, I don't know that you should be gambling on that. That's number one. But number two, I, you know, I'm not, I think, I think it's important that you be accurate. Like, this is people's money. And, like, I see shot totals are getting added two months later. And, you know, you have to, if for gambling, it has to be fair. It absolutely has to be fair. So I don't shortchange that. But I do think this is about salary arbitration. So apparently the league has let teams know that they're going to adjust the hit totals up about nine hits a game uh, based on this year. And uh, I don't know the individual teams, um, but I, but I, because I think the league is still going to let the teams and players know how each is going to be dealt with. But basically they have decided that Hits were being shortchanged this year, Jeff. So that says right. to me that's a salary arbitration thing. Those numbers are used in hearings. Hmm. Yes. Just, just so all of our listeners and viewers what know what 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 
what, what Elliot is talking about here. When it comes to arbitration, the things that both sides are allowed to use are things that are published by the NHL, like for the, yeah. the longest time. And, and still, there's, there's still some things that, you know, uh, interior numbers, let's just, let's just call them, can't be used in salary arbitration. All the numbers that have been made public by the NHL, just so our listeners and viewers have a sense here, those are the numbers that you're allowed to use in salary arbitration. Um, it, it does remind me when I when I saw this this morning, you know, hit stats are always most intriguing. And I know insert Islanders joke here, raised eyebrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Martin. You know, I, I somebody I, I, made a I, joke I, to I me. They're that. like, they're like Matt Martin's about to lose a thousand hits, and I said I don't think that's the issue in this particular case. <laughs> Casey Zizekas, etc. I know, I understand it. You know, there was the um. Uh, there, there was a great story of when the Islanders got Yanni Ninema from the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Flyers were looking for a big, strong, tough defenseman. The, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Oilers really wanted Yanni Ninema, and mm-hmm. they were trying to get they were trying to get um, the Flyers to bite on Dan McGillis. And this is before you know hit stats are published. Like we're talking like I want to say like eighty nine or ninety for this one, yeah. Elliot. And so what Glenn Sather would do is after every game, they would pump up the hit stats for Dan McGillis. Now, Dan McGillis is a big, strong guy. He's like six foot three, 225 pounds, but it wasn't as if he's registering, you know, 15 hits a game. Like, they weren't getting a killer, but if you looked at Dan McGillis on the game sheet, and again, unless you have a scout in the building, you're not seeing a lot of these games if you're the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers thought that they were getting a killer based on the hit stats provided by the Edmonton Oilers. Dan McGillis is a very good, solid defenseman. Don't get me wrong, but Glenn Sather pumped up the hit stats to turn Dan McGillis into a monster, and the Oilers ended up getting Yanni Ninema out of the deal. Uh, speaking of the Oilers... Why, why am I not surprised winnings? at this story? <laughs> you there, Listen, I'm sure there's a million stories like this of the old days. What does Brian Burke always talk about? You know, the days of, of pirates are gone when general managers were pirates and tried to yeah. rip each other rip each other off. Now everybody wants to make oh, they, deals that work they for both still sides. Try. Yeah. They, but not they like they used try. to. Like you remember the old the, the the old saying, you know, when you did it, when you when you shook hands with Cliff Fletcher, make sure you count your fingers. Like these guys mm-hmm. tried to get advantage uh, every time they made deals. Uh, Oilers winning streak comes to an end, and a couple of observations from this little corner about last night. I thought the Oilers' effort was excellent in this one. Yep. I think that mm-hmm. if they play like that nine times out of ten, they're going to win nine times out of ten. Um, yep. And that looked specifically in the third period like that was playoff hockey. It looks like yep. that's going to be the opening round matchup. I know Vancouver Canucks fans get a little bit weird when you predict that they're going to win anything, but it looks like they're going to get the division title here. Um, I thought that was an excellent game. And one of the questions that I have coming out of it is, what did we learn about Edmonton over this streak? To me, it was all about how they learned how to play defense. What was it for you? Well, I I think this. um, Well, first of all, I thought it was a great game last night. Uh, I agree with almost everything you said. You know, Dreisaitl, in our interview, he said to us, um, you know, when you win 16 games in a row, you win some games that you're not supposed to win. And... Last night was the reverse. Yeah. They lost a game they probably deserved to win. Um, I loved the reaction of McDavid at the end of the game, how pissed off he was. And, you know, Jeff, we've been talking about the Canadian uh, four, I guess we don't call them the Olympic team. We call them the four seasons face-off team or the four nations face-off team. Uh, Aiden Hill is yeah. probably your number one guy. Like last night, he was the difference. He, he won that game. So, or... 
Or or, or, or or was that the battle for the net, Stu Skinner versus Aiden Hill? Well, then Hill won it because he was, you know, it's not like Skinner was bad, but Hill was excellent. You know what I, you know what I really excellent. liked about the Oilers? Do you remember when we talked about the Jets, when they had their three goals in a game streak snapped, how hard they fought yes. to protect yes. the empty netter? I, I thought about that with yes. the Oilers last night. Like, they, they fought to protect that. Even they were only down one goal at the time, obviously. But they really fought to protect yeah. that empty netter. I, I just think the Oilers look so much more competitive than they did two or three months ago. Like, the, whatever was missing, it's back. And whether it's the commitment mm-hmm. to team defense or the confidence in the goaltending, um, it's, it's back. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you something else. You know, someone made a really interesting point to me about the interview uh, that we did with McDavid and Dreisaitl. McDavid was talking about their goaltending, and he yep. said, we have three good goalies. He pointed out uh, Skinner, Campbell. Pickard, and he made sure to mention Campbell. And someone said yep. that really stood out with them because we've basically left Campbell abandoned by the side of the road, right? And they thought that was a really small thing but a really big thing. I wonder how much of a bit of business that might have been as well. Like if you're, I always, I always wonder, okay, who's going to, cause I thought the same thing when we were doing the interview that he mentioned the three goaltenders and mentioned Jack Campbell, who's playing his trade in Bakersfield AHL right now. My first mm-hmm. thought was, I always think about, okay, who's here, who's hearing this? Like whose ears are on this and how are they feeling? And my first thought was, if I'm Ken Holland, that is music to my ears. Yeah. That the number one player in the game is still considering Jack Campbell a member of this team. Both in case, you know, he's the game is turned around and he can play. But two, that's Connor McDavid pumping up a goaltender that they may may need to make a move on at some point before a trade deadline. So if I'm Holland, By I'm the way, hearing that from Connor McDavid. I did get one complaint for referring to Chris Knobloch as comatose. I just wanted to to tell you, I got I got one complaint about that. Was that from a family member? Was that one from one of yeah. Chris's family members? I, I think it's a close <laughs> friend. Yes. Um, okay, a couple of things from around last night. Um, oh, there's a hearing today. We should point out uh, Brendan yeah. Dillon for the hit on Noel Achari. Uh, yeah. As I was mentioning off the top of the show, it's never it's never good. Like I always I always look at when when a player gets hit, you know, in the head, what happens to the helmet? And when the helmet pops up straight in the air, like Nolachari's did uh, last night, you know that player's in a bad way, and Nolachari was in a very bad way. Brendan Dillon, uh, with the hearing there, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have now lost four games in a row. John Monahan's debut. Um, Mark Scheifele came back. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi uh, debuted for the Pittsburgh Penguins and played nine minutes and 41 seconds and took two shots. On that, Dylan Major, the Pittsburgh Penguins scored twice. Uh, yep. Your thoughts on both teams here? I want to get to Calgary and Vancouver in a second. But your thoughts on both teams? Tristan Jari, six shutouts, leads the NHL. Um, he was outstanding last night, too. Maybe the best goalie performance we saw yesterday. Uh, your thoughts on the Penguins? Your thoughts on the Jets here in this game last night? Well, you know, Jari's a really interesting guy to me. Um, you know, he's, uh, I wish he'd stay healthy more because I, I think that there's a real great yeah. goaltender there. And uh, to me, the only thing that really affects him is just the, the fact he has trouble staying healthy. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, look, like this is, a, this is a huge stretch for the Penguins in particular. 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I think the Gensel thing, we were kind of wondering what would happen over All-Star. I understand it's still in a holding pattern. You know, I think Dubas is prepared to wait and see how the next few weeks go. I think there's a few teams in that boat. I think I think Pittsburgh, the, uh, the, the Devils, and the Islanders are kind of among them. Uh, just to kind of wait to see how the next few weeks go before making any decisions. Um, but, I, you know, obviously they looked pretty good last night. You know, the Jets, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Dylan, you know, Dylan, for as physical he is, is not really a dirty player. He clearly missed time that one. You know, he, he got the head a lot more than he wanted to, and that's what they look at. Um, and uh, I just feel that, you know, if you get to hear it, you're getting a game or two, I think. That's, that's what I got to think sure. about that. You know, Winnipeg, um, all of a sudden, they just have real trouble scoring goals. Uh, I didn't think that this was yeah. going to be the problem that we'd have with them. But there they are. Uh, Penguins, two goals on that Dylan Major. Okay, Calgary, we saw a debut. Vancouver against Carolina, we saw a debut. Let's talk about the Flames game against the Boston Bruins. Stunning the Bruins 4-1 to at uh, TD Garden. And the coach, Jim Montgomery, was none too pleased about the effort yeah. uh, by his team. Andre Kuzmenko scores four minutes and 20 seconds in. Uh, way to make your debut. And by the end of it, yeah. John Huberto with three points, one plus two. Kadri with three assists. Jacob Markstrom, um, 21 saves. Last night for the Calgary Flames, and do you think that was a, ma- that a matter of Calgary looked really good? I mean, Nazem Kadri talked about you know hyenas taking down a lion, which I think was a tremendous analogy. Uh, was it, yeah. was that the, the the Flames looked good or the Bruins just looked flat? No, I, I give the Flames a lot of credit. I thought they were really good. You know, Hannafin, I don't know if he was additioning or what, but he looked fantastic last night. He he sure he, uh, he that was. Like he's a good player, and that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. I, I just thought the Flames came out of the gate really well. Um, and you know what I bet, too? I, I bet you, you always wonder how a team's going to react um, after a big trade like that. And, I, like, I think that thing yeah. about Kuzmenko scoring early, I think it gives a team a lift, Jeff. I, I really do because, first of all, it makes mm-hmm. him feel great because, you know, he gets off to a good start yeah. in his new home, and Lindholm did the same thing last night. But... I think also, like, it gives the team a lift. Like, this guy's invested. Like, we're getting a guy here who is is ready to play. And uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Flames really took off after uh, and won that game after he scores so early in it because you always want to see how a new player adapts to his team. And, and that's you can't get a better start than that one. No, that's all Flames. I, I, thought, they were, I thought they were really good. And as for the Canucks... Yeah. Like, we talked yesterday, that's a tough start. Like, you get Carolina at Carolina, a smothering team. I thought Demko was obviously really good. Um, but, you know, that's that's what you want. Like, the, the way he played his first uh, game there, scoring two goals, it's the same thing. It makes you feel really good about yourself. Yeah, our, our GM got us a guy who's, like, they already thought he was going to be able to help them. But when he scores for uh, two goals yep. like that, that you're like, wow, like this is this is great for us. So you can't, I mean, I guess they, they, they play the Bruins on Saturday, right? I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, I'm, I'm getting there in a second here. So one, one, one more thing on Vancouver. Uh, our good friend Joey Kenward points out nine straight wins for Thatcher Demko, tying a Vancouver Canucks record held by Dan Cloutier. Now, the interesting thing wow. here is uh, Jim Montgomery, as you saw last night, was... 
He wasn't disappointed, Dad. He was angry, Dad. Like, take that Jim Montgomery we saw at the bench uh, during the final All-Star game uh, where, his yeah. team, where his team won, Team Matthews. Uh, he was the exact opposite last night with the effort of the he Boston He should have his son so, coach again. No kidding, eh? Get him out there in the suit and the fedora looking sharp. Throw him behind the bench. Well, the, the Vancouver Canucks uh, are at TD Garden tomorrow. On the eighth, that is the next opponent here for uh, for the Boston Bruins, and that will be like so many things I love. Like I think that that Vegas victory over Edmonton plays nicely for the opening round playoff. Like that's a that's a loss for Edmonton that adds a storyline element to the playoffs. Just like you know the loss last night, the Calgary Flames just all over the Boston Bruins. That is going to be one upset and ornery Boston Bruins team. Pospisil pops Marchand in the oh, head as well. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be one one pissed off Boston team facing off against the Vancouver Canucks, their next opponents at TD Garden, and you know how the Boston Bruins respond, Elliot. Yeah, and, and you know it's it was you know like I know it's a different game now, but it was a little jarring to see if uh, was a little dis- uh, jarring. Like I still think of like the Don Cherry Bruins, right? Like it was a little uh-huh. jarring to see the lack of response. I'll I'll just say that. I know it's a different game. Yeah, though. we'll see what happens. It it is a, it is a different game, but uh, emotions are still the same, Elliot. The uh, the actions may be different. Like we always talk about sports existing in that middle place between what your head knows and your heart feels. Uh, hearts still feel the same, uh, no matter what era you're playing the game. Um, really quick before I wrap up. Um, the Capitals lose to the Montreal Canadiens 5-2. Now, Ovechkin did find the back of the Nets. Um, yeah. This is going to be a tough slog here. This is going to be a tough slog for Washington. Next games, Florida, Boston, Vancouver, Colorado. Oof. That is, is that a good? tough four to face off against next. No, 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 Elliot. Um, you and I are both new to the game, but I did a little research this morning, and it turns out all these teams are good. Florida's good. I checked. Boston's good. I checked. Vancouver's good, and so is Colorado. Colorado, two years ago, won the Stanley Cup. I didn't know that. I had to check. Florida went to the Stanley Cup final last year. Um, but the, the Ovechkin thing, I had Tarek Elbashir on the program yesterday and asked about Ovechkin. And his point, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing Tarek here, he said, you know, Ovechkin at the end of the season needs to make a decision whether... Uh, whether or not he needs to, whether or not he's going to dedicate himself to, to physical fitness so he can regain some type of cool. form that's going to get him closer to the Gretzky race, which is a huge statement to make. But, I mean, you've pointed out at the beginning of the season, like every t- even if Ashkin didn't score, he would do something. You know, yes. Something would happen. And again, I know that he, he, he scored yesterday, but... You know, this there's an undercurrent here. He also mentioned, too, and I thought this was interesting, if they really fall out of it, and these next four games may just doom the season. They're, they're seven points out now. He said he wouldn't be surprised if Brian McCullen took a step back and went through a mini-rebuild here, despite the fact that Ovechkin is chasing Gretzky. Do you have a thought on any of that? Well, I, I do agree with the latter part. I, I think they're going to take a long look about who they are and where they're going here. You know, the way centers are going, I got to think that Nick Dowd is, um, uh, that Nick Dowd is, uh, going to be a piece that teams are going to be calling about if they're not calling about them already. Um, you know, Kuznetsov, as I understand it, because he's, uh, because this is his second time, he's off the cap. So I don't think the Capitals are adding, but I think they're going to have a lot of flexibility to do some things. 
with Backstrom and Kuznetsov uh, out. Um, so, um, you know, I, like, so they're going to have the ability to do some things. Um, I, I do think that I think Washington is another one of those teams that over the next few weeks, um, they start to look at and say, where are we going here? Like, like we know they've had Manta out there for a while, but I agree with you. I think they sure. will consider some other things. Now, the other thing I'll say about this is, I, I, you know, there's been times I've talked about players conditioning before, and I don't really like it because, Jeff, like I've been a fat slob for a lot of the last that... 20 years, and, and I don't uh... like to comment about other people's things. But, you know, I, I think that, like, whenever that – so it's always a very careful line. Like, I think Tarek is a really good reporter, like one of the best around. And to me, if he's saying that, he's done his research on it. Oh, yeah. We'll see where it goes. But um, the Gretzky record very much up in the air here yeah. now. Uh, okay, we're, uh, we're heavy on time. That was By a the lot. Way, um, I, thanks I for just, sharpening the pencil I just want to say, yeah. be, before we go, incarcerated Bob, he lit Leaf Nation on fire last night. <laughs> I was wondering why I was getting all these texts and DMs about the Maple Leafs doing something, and then until you told me, like, hey, did you see uh, Did you see the note from incarcerated? I'm like, okay, well, that's got to be it then. Yeah, well, you know, like, he's, he's, you know, he's heard things before. Like, this is not, like, his voice is not <laughs> illegitimate. And, um, you know, yeah. look, like, I, I would, if people just ask me, I, I like, I assume a lot of that is the, still the, the TANF stuff. And, look, I think the Leafs have a very yeah. tough decision to make. They, we've talked about their lack of draft capital. I think Calgary's trying to hold for a one. And I just don't think the Leafs are, are really inclined to do that. So it's in, it's in stasis, I would say, for now. It can change with one phone call. Do you, do you think things would change if there was a long-term extension attached to it? At that point, would the uh, would, would there be a little grease around the first-round pick? Look, I, I think this. Teams have told me, and it it, it, it flips with everything. It, it, it ties in with everything I've heard, is that Toronto, they're, they're concerned about their future. Like, just in terms of, like, like I'll tell you this. Like, as you know, people don't really like the draft after 20. But when you don't have a first-rounder next year and you don't have a first-rounder for three years or a second-rounder for three years, you kind of sit there yeah. and say, how much more can we give up? And that's what Toronto yeah. is sitting there looking at. That's what they're, that's what they're worried about. Interesting. Okay, uh, we'll let you get on with your walk. Uh, thanks, as always, Fridge. We will chat soon. All right, buddy. Take care.